to this message, you will be challenged and encouraged through God's Word. Here at Heartsease Family Life Church, it has always been our desire to see people's lives totally impacted and changed. His Word promises to accomplish that. For more information in regards to our church, you can call us at 225-274-1607 or visit us on the web at www.hflc.us. We look forward to hearing from you. Be blessed now as you listen to God's Word. to encourage every single one of you. I believe in church. Sometimes we can get beat up pretty bad in church. How many knows what I'm talking about? We can get told you need to be doing this and that, and, and sometimes we leave just exhausted. Wow, my goodness. But you know, I believe also there's an encouragement that comes from the Word of God just to give us that encouragement just to keep on going. This morning, I want to talk about afflictions. I said this morning, I want to talk about afflictions overcoming the hardships of life, making it through. And we are so glad, as I've said so many times already today, and Jimmy has said and other ones have said, we are so glad today that you are here with us at Heartsease Family Life Church. We're not perfect. We're not perfect. But we serve the one who is. We maybe don't have all the answers, but we'll certainly point you to the one who does. On Wednesday night, just before church, someone came and talked with me in my office and shared with me how their week was going. Be reminded, it was just Wednesday. Their week hadn't gone far. And this, in a nutshell, was what they told me about their week. It went like this. All hell has broken out against me this week. Anything and everything that could have happened against me, against my family, against my finances, you name it, it's happened. I'm looking at that person and thinking, my goodness me, you've had a pretty rough week. But it was their response to it all that caught all of my attention. It didn't mean what they'd said before didn't matter to me because it does. It matters when I hear people are going through hardships and trials. I I don't like to hear that. And, And our prayer is that people will just have the peace and the power of God rule and reign, that they won't have to struggle and go through. But the thing that caught my attention in the whole situation was their response to their week. And this is what they said to me. I really began to question God through it all today. I began to question God. Now today, you maybe have never said those verbal words. You've never perhaps vocalized those words. But I believe every one of us in some shape or form have gone through that thought pattern of really questioning God in the situations. God, I thought you loved me. God, I thought you cared. We've all had those kind of weeks. We've all had those days, and we're going to all have those moments. But one thing we have to make sure of is this, that we must never allow our hardships to make us believe something that is a lie instead of grabbing a hold of that which is the truth. I thought God loves me. He loves you more than you could ever even fathom or imagine. I thought God cares. You just have got no idea how special God thinks you are and how much He cares for you, and how much He longs for you, and how much He wants 
the best for your lives. You and I today cannot even begin to comprehend the love, the compassion, the care, all these things that God has for each one of us. But troubles will still come. But troubles will still come. As I was going through all these thoughts in my mind, and I went to bed Wednesday night, and it was still on my mind, and I knew Thursday morning I tried to study first thing Thursday morning and get my message ready for Sunday, and all these thoughts are going through my mind, and and I'm just praying, and, and it's amazing, this week more than most, there was just such a blockage of what I would really share, and God didn't really give me a lot. God just gave me one verse. And I kept saying, well, God, where do I go with this verse? How do I tell, what do I do? And God just kept saying, just trust me. Just, just begin to read this verse. Begin to kind of just digest on this verse and just watch as I open up avenues and ways. And, and I sat down to prepare a message with almost no materials, if you want to say it that way. Because most of the time, God will be dealing with me all week and I'll be on my phone with voice record and I'll be recording thoughts. So when I sit down, it's almost just taking all the thoughts and just putting them together. But there was just one thought. But can I tell you, it was a God thought. It was a God thought. And this scripture came to me from Psalms 34. Now, if you are in trouble, and if you've had struggles in your life, and if you've gone through all these things in your life, and you feel like the world is caving in around you, can I tell you, Psalm 34 is an incredible chapter to begin to read. Because in my Bible, the Psalm 34 is titled this way. It's a psalm of happiness to those who trust in God. I like that, don't you? I like that. A psalm of happiness. Come on, I want to read some of that happiness. But as I began to read, because I like the sound of the happiness stuff, as I began to read, I began to discover other words. Come on, help me out in this place. I began to discover other words in Psalms 34, like fear, like troubles, like brokenheartedness. Like a contrite spirit, or literally a crushed spirit. And then to make matters worse, I came to verse 19, which reads, Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. As I read the whole chapter, I began to realize the happiness that God indeed does have to offer for each one of us. And why can we be happy? Why can we say praise God? Because God shows over and over again through Psalms 34 that He is able to overcome. He is able to deliver. If we're afraid, He can deliver us. If our heart is broken, He can put it back together. If our spirit is crushed, if we're troubled, if, we, if there's unrest, if there's all these things, the promise over and over and over and over again is, but the Lord. But the Lord. So what does it mean, Pastor P? It means there are perhaps going to be tough times. As children of God, we're not immune to that. There's going to be some tough times. There's going to be some uphill struggles. There's going to be some times that you don't think you can get up And have the strength to make it through. But if we will maintain the course. If we will refuse to doubt his ability. He will bring us through. And as a result we will find our faith strengthened. We will find our faith better than it's ever been before. We will see growth and development and change in our lives. Pastor Pete, that's all well and good. And I hear what you're saying. But why the test? Why the trials? Why the afflictions? Why the hardships? Surely God could use another means of growth for my life. Has anyone ever asked that? I mean, come on, God. That's the best you've got. I mean, come on. Is that the best? I like it, Miss Emma. She says, have I asked him? I like it. I'm sure God could use other means. But you've got to remember this. Satan has no other means. 
Satan has no other means. Steal, kill, and destroy. That's all he has. So he uses every opportunity he can to to try and steal, to try and kill, and try and destroy our lives. But you know one thing I've realized? That through the afflictions and through the trials, it's at those times that God has my greatest attention. Huh? It's when God has my greatest attention. Why? Because I'm maybe driving in my car to work and everything's going good. And I'm saying, hey, God, thanks for today. You're awesome. That's great. Okay, God, I'll see you later. But come on, when there's trials and there's... Help me, God! Come on, who's been praying some of those prayers? Come on, just a little, hey, God, how you doing? It's not going to count it. God, don't you see what's going on? Come on. Help me, Jesus. He has our attention, doesn't he? Perhaps greater than at any other times before. I wish each one of us could escape all the troubles. I wish we could escape the pain of grief, the loss, the sorrow, the failures, the daily frustrations that constantly come to wear us down. But we've got to realize that's the tactics that Satan uses to rob us and to destroy us from the future that God has for our lives. When we're going through things, it's hard to make sense of them. You know what I'm talking about? It's hard sometimes to make sense. Come on, we know that we've got to praise God through the storms, but come on, it's another story to be in the storms, lifting up your hands, praising God. We hear it and we know it and we can tell other people, hey sister, you're on the phone and you say, you just got to praise God through the storm. Well, you need to listen to some of your own advice. Come on now. It's easy to give other people advice because you're not going through their storm. But when you're in the middle of your own storm, sometimes it doesn't seem like it's the answer. It doesn't seem like it's the way of escape for your life. But one thing I've realized as I step perhaps just a little bit beyond those things I can look back and realize it's those things, the afflictions, the hardships, the times of desperation that have put my life back into perspective, that have put my life back on track where I need to be. You know, the answer to the question is, why can't God use other circumstances and situations? Here's the reason why, because we don't listen. If we would stop being so pig-headed and just stop and listen. But so many times we have to be brought to our knees, to a place of desperation, before God can all of a sudden get our attention and say, hello. Now we know that God doesn't bring these things upon our lives, but listen, He allows them to happen. And that's not allowing it to destroy us, it's to bless us. Listen to what that verse, Psalms 34, 19 says from another translation, the New Living Translation. It says this, The righteous face many troubles, but the Lord rescues them from each and every one. You see, this is what we've got to watch. We've got to watch that our focus is not so much on our afflictions, that we fail to see our deliverer. Come on, these afflictions come for what? That we wake up in the morning and what do we see? The fact that there's bills to be paid. What do we see? The fact that we're sick. What do we see? The fact that our kids are not doing well. What do we see? We see the afflictions, don't we? Come on, every day they're knocking on our door. Come on, they've got our email address. Come on, they know our phone number. They know what route we go to work because so many other... It's all around us. But our focus has to be... Not on the afflictions, but on the deliverer. Those of you who have ever watched football, there'll be a lot of times that a commentator will say these words as a receiver drops the ball. He will say these words. He was looking to run before he caught the ball. He had turned his eye just before and he was looking to run before he caught the ball. And as a result, what happened? He dropped the ball. You see, we've got to watch in our lives. We look to run. 
so many times that what? We drop and we fail to see the fact that you can't run successfully without the ball in your hands. You know what I'm talking about? I teach my little kids at soccer. You know, kids, when they're six, seven, eight years old, they don't like the fact of trapping the ball. Trapping the ball in soccer is if the ball's past you, you trap it, you control the ball. They don't like that. That's boring. Who wants to put their foot on a ball and stop it? I mean, they just want to kick it as hard as they can. And they just want to run after it. You know, I've got little kids, first and second graders. And it's, it, it's, it's absolutely horrific. I mean, I try to punish them. And I try to make them run if they don't. And the whole team wants to run. Hey, if you're punished, you're not running. Oh, we want to run. I mean, it's like, if you don't be quiet, you're going to have to run. Oh, can I run too? Can I run too? I mean, what do you do with that? Help us, Jesus. But they don't like the idea of trapping the ball. They like to swing their foot and kick it. But you know what? If they don't have control of the ball, they can't do anything with the ball. That's what I say to them. They'll swing their leg and the ball's way behind them. And I say, listen, you can't do anything without the ball. You can't do anything without the ball. Our focus so many times is on the affliction. And that's why the affliction controls our lives. Instead of realizing that God wants to be our deliverer. Or as 1 Corinthians 10 verse 13 says, God says, I'll be your way of escape. Let's read that passage if we would, or that verse. 1 Corinthians 10 13, it says, no temptation. No attack of Satan. No affliction, no hardship, no device of the enemy. No temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. But with the temptation, say with me, the affliction. Come on, with the temptations, with the afflictions, He will. It's very definite here. It's not a question. It says... But with the temptations will also. God is very definite of the fact that he is able to be your deliverer. He will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. Meaning endure it. What does that mean? Go to the other side of that thing. Come on, we're going to make it to the other side. That we can make it with God. As I wrote out that scripture Thursday, as I was studying for this message, the fourth word of that verse jumped out of the page at me. Many, or what is it? No temptation has overtaken. That's the fourth word. I began to think of that word overtaken. To overtake something means to pull out beyond it and go what? Ahead of it. it means to go past something. So it implies that temptation is what? It's gone out from behind me and it wants to go ahead of me. Blocking my way, obscuring my vision. So as I began to think of that, I thought, wow, Satan wants to use the frustrations of life. Because that's what we're going to call them. The afflictions, the hardships, the trials. They're the frustrations of life. Satan wants to use the frustrations of life to almost be like a roadblock. Obscuring, blocking, bringing opposition against what lies ahead of me in God. Come on, how many knows that the blessings that God has, they're right there for every one of us. Come on, Satan longs to use those frustrations to stop me from getting where God has for me. The trials and the tribulations, come on, that's not where my focus needs to be, but the Lord. But the Lord. Because Satan knows if he can blind you from seeing what your future is in God, if he can blind you from realizing that God is your deliverer, he can stop you and I today from pushing through. And he succeeded in his life's mission. No matter what. That's a pretty bold statement right there. I mean, that's a huge statement right there. No matter what. Pastor Philip, you can just say, no matter what, you don't know my circumstances. You don't know my situations. Well, can I tell you, obviously, you've forgotten who your God is. No matter what, the trials, the tribulations, the hardships, or as that person told me, the hell that has broken out against me this week. No matter what, 
We have got to see that God is our way or the way of escape for our lives. We've got to trust the fact that He promises to be my deliverer. I don't feel some days that I'm delivered, but that doesn't change the fact that He's still my deliverer. Come on, I maybe don't feel the best some days, but it doesn't mean that He's not still my healer. Come on, I may feel knocked down and I may feel afflicted, but that doesn't mean that He's not my peace. He's not my comforter, my joy. I cannot allow the circumstances of my life to begin to depict who He is. I've got to remind my circumstances of who He is. You and I must refuse to question God for something that He hasn't done. But instead, trust Him that we are able to overcome. That we can endure it, that we can bear it, that we can make it through. Psalms 23 verse 4. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. It doesn't get much worse than that place. I said it doesn't get much worse than that place. The valley of the shadow of death. I will fear no evil. Why? I love this. Come on. For you are with me. You got to listen to me today. The afflictions, the tests, the trials, no matter what. They're all orchestrated by Satan. But you got to realize this, or those that are. You've got to realize that no matter the afflictions, the tests, and the trials, they are powerless to separate you from God. You've got to see that. Hebrews 13 verse 5 says, I will never leave you. God says, I will never forsake you. Verse 6, and I haven't got on the screen. He says, so you can boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear what man can do, what man can throw. I will not fear those things because the Lord is my helper. He's my sustainer. But what do we feel through the afflictions? What do we feel through the times that he's gone? That he's left us? But we've got to be reminded today that he has not left us. He's there right with us. I know this illustration has been used over and over again. But I think it's a really good one, once again, to be reminded of this morning. It's called Footprints. It says, one night, a man had a dream. And he dreamed that he was walking along the beach with the Lord. Across the sky flashed scenes from his life. For each scene, he noticed two sets of footprints in the sand. One belonging to him and the other belonging to the Lord. When the last scene of his life had flashed before him, he looked back at the footprints in the sand. He noticed that many times along the path of his life, there was only one set of footprints. He also noticed that it happened at the very lowest and saddest times in his life. This really bothered him, and he questioned the Lord about it. Lord, you said that once I decided to follow you, you would walk with me all the way. But I have noticed that during the most troublesome times in my life, there was only one set of footprints. I don't understand why when I needed you the most, that God, you would leave me. But the Lord replied, my son, my precious child, I love you and I would never leave you. During your times of trial and suffering, when you see only one set of footprints, it was then, it was then, but the Lord, it was then, come on, I said it was then, that I carried you. I carried you. Come on, I feel that this morning. I carried you. But the Lord. We must refuse to doubt the one who promised us to carry us through life. Arguably, one of the greatest men in the New Testament was Paul. 
Originally Saul, who had an absolutely life-changing experience upon a Damascus road as he was going to kill and to destroy Christians and God knocked him off his horse and he blinded him and God had an encounter, or Paul, or Saul rather, had an encounter with God that changed not only his name, but changed his whole life. And throughout the Word of God, we see as his life was totally changed, we read story after story after story, epistle after epistle, which means a book that Paul wrote. He wrote 13 books of the 29 of our New Testament. So we see the stories that are not only recorded of his life, but the lives that were affected by his ministry. But what we will also read in many of the stories is affliction hardships and trials. In fact, I'm not going to go there today, but if you would turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 23 through 33, just write it down. 2 Corinthians 11 verse 23 through 33. You will read of every affliction that Paul went through in his life. Shipwrecked, stoned. Come on, and when I say stoned, he wasn't on drugs. He was left for dead. All the trials, beaten so much. One scholar says this, that Paul's body was so battered and bruised that if he would have taken probably one more beating, he would have been paralyzed. He wasn't a good person to look upon. He was so scarred. And most people say that he walked kind of hunched over because of the abuse and because of the disfigurement of all the trials and the tribulations and everything that he endured. And here's what Paul, in his aging years, in his last moments, begins to write to a young man named Timothy, a young man that he wants to mentor, a young man that he wants to train. The book of Timothy is Paul's writing to a young man. And in 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 11 and 12, Paul says these words to Timothy, persecutions, afflictions, which happened to me at Antioch and Iconium, And Lystra, I believe it was Lystra where he was stoned and left for dead. He says to Timothy these words, what persecutions, what incredible attacks that I endured. But notice what he says, and out of them all, the Lord delivered me. And then he goes on to say these words, In verse 12, yes, and to all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecutions. New Living Translation says, yes, and everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ will suffer, will come in contact with afflictions, persecutions, trials. I think if anyone could write to us, as I said, about afflictions, Outside of Jesus Christ, I think Paul is the next best thing. Because apart from Christ and the afflictions and the persecution he went through for us as he gave up his life, Paul probably took the greatest beating. But what does Paul say? Despite it all, I have a testimony. I'm still alive. Come on, you've got to catch this. I'm still alive to tell you that no matter what, the best that Satan threw against me, it maybe hurt me a little bit, it maybe wounded me a little bit, but can I tell you, there's still breath in my body. There's still the fact that there's life inside of me. Why? Because despite it all, what? God delivered me. Come on, God delivered me. He says a testimony that every one of us, I'm sure, in our lives will all be able to testify about. Come on, we've all experienced the delivering of God. We've maybe got some wounds. We've maybe got some scars. But we're alive today to tell the story. Come on, we're alive today. And you know what? We're better people than we were back then. Come on, we're better people than what we were. Why would God touch a hip of someone? 
and make them crippled for the rest of their life. Why would God do that? Because every step that that man, not Jacob no longer, come on, not Jacob, no deceiver any longer, but God touched his hip socket that every step he took, he was reminded that God is his deliverer. Come on, that God is his helper. It doesn't matter the storms and trials. Come on, you may walk through life with a limb, but you're still walking. Come on, keep trusting him because he promises to deliver you. I said this statement many times and I want you to hear it one more time today. God did not bring you this far to leave you right now. Come on, you got to trust him. I don't know why we're going through the trials. I don't know why we're going through the tribulations, but I know God is able. He's able to deliver me. I don't know why, but I know the result if I handle it right. I know what can come on the other side. Notice what Paul goes on to say to Timothy in chapter or verse 14. He says these words, but you must continue in the things which you have learned. New Living Translation says you must remain faithful to the things that you have been taught. Come on, you and I must continue to do the things that we know which is right. And can I tell you right now to begin to question God, we know that's not right. We know that's not what we need to do. But we've got to place our faith and hope and trust. Even if we don't see the way of escape, we've got to believe that he is the way. Through our adversities, we can develop a newfound strength to our faith in God. Don't question your answer today. Did you catch that? Don't question your answer. Don't question the answer of your life. Trust Him. Turn with me quickly to the book of Daniel. We're going to go through the lives of three young men really quick. Three Hebrew boys who were taken from their families. Daniel chapter 3, you can begin to turn there. They were taken from their families. They were deported as teenagers to a paganistic heathen place called Babylon. And while being sent there, isolated from their families, taken away, they were trained, they were instructed in the customs and the beliefs of a Babylonian empire. Beliefs and customs that were so contrary to the ones that they were brought up in, the ones that they knew was right. Let's begin reading. We're going to read some verses today. If you haven't got your Bible, shame on you. You can follow on the screen though. Thank you, Tammy. Come on, those of you who don't have a Bible, say thank you, Tammy. Those of you who are too lazy to use your Bible, still say thank you, Tammy. Those that can't see because there's so much dust that's flown up in your face as you've opened your Bible, say thank you, Tammy. Remember this, a dusty Bible equals a dirty life. Don't forget that, a dusty Bible equals a dirty life. Daniel chapter 3, verse 1, follow with me. It says, Nebuchadnezzar the king made an image of gold. You've got to realize this is not just any image. This is an image of himself. He made an image of himself that stood so high above every other thing. And he set it up in the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. And the king Nebuchadnezzar sent word to gather all the people together. It talks about all the officials and everyone he gathered, all their names, the satraps, the officials, all these administrators. Let's skip to verse 4. And it says this, Then a herald cried aloud, To you this is commanded, O people, O nations and languages. At the time you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the harp, the lyre, the psaltery, in symphony with all kinds of music, you shall fall down and worship the golden image that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. Verse 6. And whoever does not fall down and worship shall be cast immediately into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. Jump to verse 12. There are certain Jews who you have set over the affairs of the province of Babylon. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men, O king, have not paid due regards to you. They do not serve your gods, nor do they worship the golden image which you have set up. Some people are tattletaling on the fact that when the trumpets and everything began to sound, everyone else fell down apart from three guys. King, you've got to know these guys. Verse 13, then Nebuchadnezzar, in a rage and a fury, gave the command to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So they brought these men before the king. 
And Nebuchadnezzar spoke, saying to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my God, nor do you worship the golden image which I have set up? If you would read on, he gives them another chance. He says, I'll tell you what, guys, I'll give you the benefit of the doubt. That when the music plays again, I'll give you another chance to bow. I think it's pretty powerful of what he is asking them to do. He's asking them to bow. Think about that for a moment. By their response of bowing to that idol, they were admitting that that idol was greater than they. That they were willing to serve that which was an idol. That through them bowing, it was literally an act of worship and praise to that idol. They refused to do it. Come on, I said three men refused to do it. But what do we do? Wonder what happens in our lives, figuratively speaking, when the trials and the afflictions come. What do we start doing? We start bowing to them. We start realizing and recognizing that they are greater than us. And by our actions and our words, we, all, we also confess that they are greater than our God. Come on. These things parade themselves and give us opportunity after opportunity after opportunity. But we can't bow. But God, He's going to deliver me. Let's read on in verse 16. I love verse 16. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. That's pretty bold, standing before a king, that they knew that their life was in his hands, and they looked at him and said, you're asking us a question, but we're not going to answer you. But you know what they were telling the king? They were saying this, why should we answer for our answer? You've got to catch that today. We don't need to answer for our answer. He can answer for himself. Come on, so many times we answer for God when God is more than able to answer for himself. Come on, I don't think you heard me today. We answer what we think God should do and we answer what God should and all these kind of things. But God is able to answer for himself. New Living Translation says, hey, king, you can ask us whatever you want. But this is what the New Living Translation says. We don't need to defend ourselves before you. Why? Because many are the afflictions of the righteous. But the Lord, He delivers us out of them all. What do they say? We don't need to answer you. We don't need to defend ourselves. Why? Because God promised to be my defense. He promised to defend me. And I love this. They said, and can I tell you one other thing, God? I will say this. They said, or they said to the king, there is one other thing that we will say to you, and that's this. Even if God doesn't come through, we're not bowing, we're not worshipping, we're not giving in to anything that you have to offer. What incredible faith. I wish I had faith like that. Come on, I said I wished I had faith like that. It's available for me, I've just got to tap into it and use it. They said to that king, no matter what, even if we die, we're not going to stop trusting God doesn't take much, does it, to make us stop trusting God? To make a long story short, the king is not happy. <laughs> I said he's not happy. He's not a happy camper. He commands the fire to be made seven times hotter. Have you noticed that the times when you begin to trust God, that sometimes it gets hotter and hotter? Come on, I'm going to start paying my tithes, God. I'm going to start trusting you, and all of a sudden it gets hotter and hotter. Anyone know what I'm talking about? Come on, I'm going to start believing you. I'm going to start being faithful to church like I've never been. I'm going to start doing this. How many can testify that the fire gets hotter and hotter 
and hotter. But can I tell you right now, the hotter the fire, the greater the miracle that's coming your way. Come on right now. Come on, the hotter the fire, the greater the deliverance. Come on right now. The king didn't realize he was just setting up a greater miracle. Come on. The devil doesn't realize that he's heating it up thinking he's going to destroy you. But come on, he's creating the opportunity of a greater miracle for your life. Why? Because God is able. Come on, he's my deliverer. No matter what, he can see me through. I want to give you four truths this morning that I want you to see and I want you to hold on to. Are you ready? Truth number one, the fire that meant to destroy them only loosed them and set them free. I said the fires that mean to destroy your life will only loose you. And set you free. Look at verse 23 through 25. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell down bound into the midst of the burning fiery furnace. Then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished and he rose in haste and he spoke to his counselors and said, Did we not cast three men bound? Thank you, Mr. Haas. Did we not throw three men bound into the midst of the fiery furnace? And they answered, said to the king, you better believe it, king. True, 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 true. And the king said, look, I see four men. They're loose. Come on right now. They are loose and they are walking around in the midst of the fire. Come on, the enemy wants to bind your hand and foot. He wants to paralyze you. He wants to place you in a state that you think there's no hope, there's no way out. But the fire that means to take you down is the fire that God's going to use to set you free. Free. God can use the afflictions and the trials and the hardships of your life to set you free. You know what? If it wasn't for some of the afflictions and the trials and the tribulations that you've overcome in your life, some of you wouldn't perhaps even be saved today. But it was those things that drove you to God. It was those things that caused you to be so desperate that He was the only one that had the answer to the cry of your desperation. Oh, a lot of people respond to desperation, but only one has the answer. What we think is the end with no hope in sight. I haven't got time today, but I could recount in my life the times I thought there was no hope, that there was no end in sight. But I'm here to testify today. God set me free. God loosed the bands. Come on. God turned around every circumstance and situation. Come on, what Satan meant for evil. God says, hold on a second. Let me take that evilness and let me turn it around and let me use it to bring about deliverance and freedom in your life. Come on, I wish I had a witness in the house this morning. Come on, many are the afflictions, but the Lord delivers us and we come out the other side different to what we went in. We're no longer bound, but we are free. Satan's stumbling blocks, they're going to be used as stepping stones. That we're going to step into the blessings of God. We've got to just trust Him. We can't bow. We can't give up. Are you ready for number two? Come on, it gets better and better. The fire that meant to destroy them, point two, only brought them into God's presence. What do you mean brought them into God's presence? Who do you think was in the fire waiting for them, John, when they went in there? God was waiting in the middle of the fire for them. Come on, we've talked about it today that we think God has left us. But can I remind you, he's already in those storms and those trials. He's waiting for you. It's those storms and trials many times that can bring us into his presence. He was the fourth man, even a pagan king. Nebuchadnezzar said, verse 25, look, he answered, I see four men loose walking in the midst of the fire and they are not hurt. And what does he say? And the form of the fourth is like the son of God. He couldn't say truer words apart from the fact it wasn't like the son of God. Come on, it is the son of God. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will not fear. Why? You're the fourth man in the fire. You're right there. That which wants to destroy me, come on, has brought me into that place right where God is. And he's going to be my deliverer. He's going to be my strong tower. Man, I'm preaching today. 
Pastor's going to sleep well this afternoon. God, why have you left me? God, why have you left me? I can't handle this. God, I'm, I'm trying to serve you and live for you. And God, you've left me in the midst of a trial. Look again. I said, look again. Because perhaps he's closer than he's ever been in your life. Perhaps he's closer than you have ever experienced him before. You see, afflictions want to separate us from him. But afflictions can also be a tool that can be used to bring us closer to him. In other words, it's all on our response and our perception. And we know what comes with his presence. Peace. Comfort. Joy. Blessed assurance. Jesus is mine. Come on, people didn't just write these kind of songs and these hymns and these standards because everything was hunky-dory in their life and everything was good. Come on, these people were in the pit of despair, but yet something rose in their hearts to say, blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. I'm watching and waiting. We don't like that waiting, but I'm looking above. This is my story. This is my song. I'm praising my Savior all the day long through every trial and tribulation because with His presence comes peace, hope, strength, everything we need to make it through. Come on, no matter the opposition, God is greater. Don't push Him away when His presence is there to help you. Don't question Him through the storms when He's perhaps closer than He's ever been before. God, you're asleep. Sometimes we feel He's asleep in the boat, but it's okay because He said we're going to make it to the other side. Number three, are you ready? The fire that meant to destroy them was the means of their deliverance. It delivered them. Come on, I said it delivered them. King Nebuchadnezzar, verse 26, Then Nebuchadnezzar went near the mouth of the burning fiery furnace, and he spoke and he said, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, I made a mistake. Servants of the Most High God, come out and come here. And the satraps, the administrators, the governors, and the king's counselors gathered together and they saw these men of whom the bodies, the fire, had no power. Oh my goodness, you need to be shouting with words like that. Whose fire or whose bodies upon which the fire had no power. Come on, Satan has no power. Come on, Satan has no power. The hair of their head was not even singed, nor were their garments even affected. And the smell of fire was not even upon them. Come on, I said, that's a miracle. Come on, I said, that's a miracle. Come on, no one else can deliver like that. Come on, I said, no one else can deliver us like that. But yet we question God's ability on, help me today. You know, they could have been a little burnt, a little crispy. Come on, they could have been pretty badly singed. In fact, all their hair on their body could have been burnt off. Their clothes could have been completely burnt away. And how many knows it would have still been a miracle? It would have still been a miracle. But God takes care of those who place their trust in him. I said, but God takes care of those who place their trust in Him. And point number four, as I close this morning, the fire that was meant to destroy them was a fire that promoted them. They were promoted. Verse 30, then the king promoted, literally caused them to prosper, is what the Word of God says. That word promoted there means that prosperity, he prospered then. Come on, he made it worth their while. Come on, their checkbooks were full with money. They had new homes, they had new clothes, they had new positions. Can I tell you right now that many are the afflictions of the righteous, but God can use every trial and tribulation as a means of promotion, that he can cause you to prosper through it all. I've never seen the righteous nor his seed begging bread. The king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego throughout the whole province of Babylon. And we think it's all over. <laughs> oh God, I can't make it. It's over. You've left me. 
You know, not to belittle our trials and our afflictions, but it doesn't get much worse than a fiery furnace that's heated up seven times. When we think it's all over, would you listen to what God says? God says it's just getting ready to begin. When we think it's all over, God's saying, hold on a second, I haven't even started yet. Come on, when we think there's no way of hope, God says, hold on a second, I haven't even lifted a finger yet. But wait, as I begin to lift my finger, just wait as deliverance begins to come your way. Come on, many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord. Jesus even said these words in John 16 and verse 33. He says, you will have troubles. There's going to be tribulations in life. But you know what he says? But be of good cheer, because I have Overcome the world. There will be pressures. There will be tribulations. There will be oppressions. There will be stresses. There will be anguish. There will be adversities. There will be times of distress. Literally, that word distress means crushing. But my God is your deliverer. He'll bring you through. Come on, hold on today. Come on, don't quit. I said he is able. He's your way of escape that you may be able to bear it, endure it, make it through. A fire that meant to destroy you is just an opportunity for God to work in your life. Satan thinks he's got you, but you know what he's going to do? He's going to promote you. Oh, I've got them now. But he's going to realize that what he puts against your life is going to prove to you that God is able in such a greater way that you're going to be strengthened, that you're going to be established. What Satan means for evil, come on, God is going to turn it around. How does God turn it around? As we trust in him and believe that no weapon that's formed against me shall prosper. And any tongue that dares to accuse, to wag itself, God, you're going to silence everything. Why? Because greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. God's not given me a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Come on, greatness, greatness, victory and power in God. Come on, if you receive that word today, stand to your feet this morning. We would like to thank you for listening to this message today. We pray that your life has been challenged by what you've heard, but we also know it will be changed as you put God's Word into effect. At Heart Seas Family Life Church, our doors are always open to help. If you need any more information or just a friend to listen, we are here. Call us at 225-274-1607 or email us at pastorp at hflc.us. Remember, put God first in your life and everything you do will prosper. We look forward to seeing you soon. God bless.